Hello and welcome to the Animation Communication Podcast. For your source of discussion about animation, film, fandom, and more. So please join our host. I love Kim Possible a lot or KP. And Lyle Convoy or Lyle Manbad. This episode contains some mild adult language. Hi everyone, welcome to this week slash month slash whatever episode it is of Animation Communication where we talk about all the things, um, art, animation, cartoons, um, just the media as a whole. So we have kind of a little bit different thing going on today. Um, we're interviewing um, crew members from The Wreck, which is a um, basically a narrative type game, uh, kind of like a point and click um, adventure a little bit thing where you pick um, different options as a character and you move through a narrative and uh, it's kind of like Eden Finch, which we've talked about before on the main channel, um, which, you know, it's basically a big narrative that you explore. Um, and, you know, that story, that storytelling structure is really interesting to me. So um, I think, um, Florent, um, you reached out uh, when you, when the game was in development and you were like, hey, do you want to play the game? And I'm like, sure. I like, I like games that are cool. So, um I guess, um, did you, well, I guess we can start there. So, like, for the media stuff, did you kind of just reach out to people that were in the Steeler Youth Finch that found it interesting? Or how did you kind of choose who you uh, contacted as far as that? Yeah, that's it, exactly. Uh, I've been looking uh, on YouTube or Twitch or other platforms, streaming platforms, basically, uh, for people who were interested in that kind of game that we were we knew we were working on because uh, there are not that many um, content producers that are into those kinds of games. Mm -hmm. uh, but those who are, uh, usually they really like them <laughs> and their communities like them too. So I thought, yeah, I might as well send a couple emails, see how people react. And some people like you reacted really well. So I was really pleased with that. Yeah, yeah. I We, we do a lot of interviews and um, reaching out for for this specifically so it's always a range of people that are like oh cool I'll, I'll do that and then you know a lot of ghosting so it's always kind of a um a little bit of a gamble but um do you guys want to introduce yourself um i know we, you you already talked but introduce yourself introduce like the studio kind of give a basic background for the game and um you know how you guys were involved and kind of the basics so however you sure. want to break it down Coralie? Do you, do you want do you want to start, Coralie? You you don't you don't prefer to start? Ah, goof. Mwah. Okay, okay. <laughs> let's let's introduce generally. The studio is called the Pixel Hunt. Um, it's been created by me a few years ago now, in two thousand and thirteen. Uh, I'm a former journalist, so when I created the, this video game studio, I decided to go with games that uh, I call reality-inspired games. So all the games that we do, they always have some kind of relationship to reality mm -hmm. that uh, most games don't. Uh, so no dragons, no fireballs, no princesses to save, um, but stories that are more about the real world and how you can uh, have things happen in life and how you're supposed to face them. And the wreck is a, a good example of that because the main character is going through the absolute worst day of her life. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, she has to face it. And you, as a player, you have to try to help her face it. So in the Pixelant, I kind of uh, am the, the person who's uh, producing. So 
taking care of uh, uh, the, the planning, the budgets, the stuff, uh, boring stuff like that. <laughs> and also, uh, I'm a writer. Uh, but for this game, I had uh, help from another writer who's also here today. Yeah, so I'm Coralie and uh, I'm Florent's sister. And I think it's very important for this game because uh, um, it, I, I think our, uh, like our work together started b uh, more as a discussion around the game mm -hmm. and around what Florent wanted to do. And um, especially because his character was a woman, and we were talking a, a lot of like woman's experience of the world, you know, today. And I was often the time shouting at him <laughs> as I, as I uh, subtly am able to tell him things, you know, like as brother and sister. But uh, but also we talked a lot also of our um, common uh, experience of life because this game is uh, digging deep in uh, real experience of life, uh, which is romanticized or like fantasized in the game. Um, we had a lot of discussions of, of, about that, and uh, one day he he asked me if I wanted to write the game with him, and uh, what started as discussions about the game ended in like a collaboration. And for me, I'm usually like right now I am a, <clears throat> a filmmaker, but I make uh, documentary films in a, in a, a research center. Okay, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I have no idea what the creative like um, industry in uh, France is or France is like. So I'm sure we can kind of get into that a little bit. But um, as as we go. <laughs> so you say that uh, the game is based on like sort of real life. Is it inspired by events in your lives or maybe the events that you've heard from friends or maybe stories you've read online or the like? Uh, it's it's a little bit of all that basically. Uh, l uh, luckily enough, uh, so I'm going to spoil the game. So I'm sorry for the people who listen and didn't play yet. Maybe you you should like just stop listening for five minutes. But the the main thing that happened to the main character Junon is that she lost her daughter, and that's the the big uh, the big narrative uh, knot uh, in 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 the in the middle of the story, basically. And luckily for me, uh, I have two daughters, but uh, they are still alive and they are still very well. So That's this good. part is the part that people ask about uh, the most. Like, is that real? And it's not. But what, what is real, though, is that w when I became a father, this was suddenly the most important question uh, in my life. Like, from one day to the next, I became a father and I became... Uh, cursed with the possibility that of this loss and that was something that was really intense uh, as a father I had to cope with that and to grow uh, with the living with this idea that this possibility could be a reality one day and so of course this is this is a the big reason why we decided to uh, to go with uh, that topic specifically in the story uh, but apart from that, there are lots of tiny uh, little moments in the game that are directly inspired from uh, our uh, life experiences, mine and Coralie's. And uh, what she said about uh, the fact that um, 
basically for a man to write a, a female uh, main character is complicated. Uh, I think that Coralie, when you when you chimed in and and asked to change things and like tweak things because he was just wrong, I think probably you also used some of your personal experience and to to inject that into the game. I don't know to which extent though. I think um, I was thinking about uh, your question, Ty, and um, uh, I think there is something like uh, you know when. Um, When you live uh, things in your real life, you got like those uh, strong impressions that stay in yourself like for days and months and all of your life. And those uh, feelings, those feelings are um, something that uh, you don't have to rewrite as they are, but uh, you have to find them back in the stories you write. Meaning that uh, uh, the, the, the things that the characters are, are going through in the game, they are fiction, but uh, the way they approach the things they are living, it can remind us of things we lived uh, in our lives and how we felt when we lived them in our life. I don't know if I make much sense in English. In French, it's to it totally makes sense. But if it's not clear, you, you can ask me and I can clarify. And also, we... We, we also, well, to be just precise, Floro and I, we experienced very young, or to me I was very young, uh, the, the, the mourning of a, a person in our family very close to our heart. And that was something that we live in different ways and we experienced in different ways but that as soon as you come to a game where there, there is the question of loss, Of course, you talk about loss, you talk about how you dealt with loss and how potentially the character will, will deal with loss if they have certain type of character that looks like you, etc., etc. So you mentioned that uh, the story is uh, mostly centered around uh, a woman who's losing her daughter, but I recall reading in the description of the game that I believe that the protagonist, I think it was like Junon or something... I remember it mentioning that her mother was diagnosed with something or something along those lines. Yeah, because why stop there, you know? When you when you go down the depressing route, you want to go just, all just, the way. Just, oh, okay. Just so kill everyone, you know, it's fine. <laughs> kill them all. Yes. No, no, but that actually the the idea there was to talk about uh dysfunctional families and how uh your relationship with your family can be Can affect you in a whole uh, array of ways and so uh, there's a specific relationship between Junon and her mother they have a complicated relationship her mother is called Marie and Marie is a very well-known artist and she's got a big ego and she's she she had uh, she went through a lot uh, when she was younger and that that built her in a specific way And so she uh, had a relationship with her two daughters, so Junon and her sister Diane, uh, which was uh, toxic in a way, but also which was the only way she was able to be as a mother. So um, the whole idea of the game is that you will learn later in the game that uh, the, the big drama in Junon's life is that she has lost a daughter. But you will uh, by then uh, have grown familiar with the idea that Lots of things in the relationship Junon has with her mother, with her sister, with her ex-husband. Lots of things don't work 
as well as they could. And the whole game will be about trying to understand what is wrong, why it went wrong and how possibly she could uh, be able to face it and fix it. And so that's, that's the whole uh, idea. And that's why you need th that many uh, negative events in her life so that you can, as a player, try to to face them and to fix them, basically. Okay, so that brings me to another question I have. I remember mentioning her reliving some events or something like that, and I was wondering, is this like a time travel thing, or is this more like they're like she's going back in time in her mind and like going through the events and sort of figuring out like uh, what she can learn from those things to build upon the present so she can reach a better future? So I have I have uh, uh, my opinion on that, but uh, Coralie, I'm, I would be curious to to hear what you think about it because I kind of dumped the idea on you without explaining too much. So what's what's your interpretation of what happened? Um, I'm torn because uh, I like the idea of uh, reliving past lives to arrange them and uh, changing your life, but um, I really enjoy the fact that. Uh, it's more of an um, introspective uh, game. So maybe the, the, to me, the um, car crash is kind of metaphorical. Or maybe this little voice you have in your head before you do something that tells you that if you do it that way, you will end up bad. <laughs> or maybe if you do it that well, maybe it will help to re reach the resolution. So I would guess it's more about the introspection stuff. So it's not like time travel or it's just sort of introspection then? Uh, to me, to me it is, to so, me it is, but I'm not the creator of the game, so... Yeah, so it's sort of open to interpretation then? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, and uh, actually even I, I'm not sure exactly <laughs> what happens in this game. Uh, that's there's, how you know it's good. There's clearly, there's clearly a, a dimension that looks like a time travel or a little bit inspired by... Uh, uh, so in French, is Le Jour de la Marmotte, uh, the Groundhog Day. You know this, this uh, very famous movie where uh, yes. uh, you get this guy who's living uh, the same day over and over again. So there's a little bit of that in the structure of the game. You face a situation that you can't deal with you you uh, you lose it you take your car you get in an accident and in this accident you see flashbacks from memories from your past and those memories they uh, they allow you to actually go back in time and face the same situation but with new ideas and with new ways to look at that situation and to be able to just uh, disarm the situation and find a way to not get confrontational or to not run away but to just uh, face it uh, and uh, fix it basically uh, so there's there's this uh, this logic of uh, not exactly time traveling but living through the same day again and again and again but I'm, i must admit that uh, i kind of agree with the uh, uh, Coralie's uh, take on it. I think that it's if I had to decide what what's actually happening, I would probably go with the metaphorical uh, m things that happen in your mind when you have the, this hint that if you if you listen to the voice that says fuck it, <laughs> just like throw everything away, 
then things are going to go bad and so you, you're able to just like swerve in the right direction so that you you're able to actually react as an adult and face the situation and just uh, get all right so another thing I wanted to ask about is where's the game take place? I remember on the, uh, I believe it was the protagonist's shirt, she was wearing a shirt that says Il est mort le soleil or something like that, which I believe means he is dead, the sun, if I'm correct. But uh, the game is in, yes. yeah, but the game is in English, so I was wondering where it's supposed to take place. Wow. That's, that's, that's deep. Well, I, I mean, I, if I can speak, it's it's. I think it's just more of a translational thing where it's implied to be um, in a French hospital, but it's just translated to English for the sake of English players being able to, to play it. So. Um, All right, is that correct? Yes, it is. It's funny because I didn't expect so many people to to have this question, but it's been asked uh, quite a lot uh, up until now, and the thing is. Um, so the whole cast in the game is uh, French. The actresses and the only actor, they are all French, but they are acting in English just for uh, the sake of being uh, accessible to uh, as many people as possible because there are way more people who are able to at least understand English than there are people who are uh, able to speak French. We like this idea that they would have a hint of a French accent. Okay. Uh, and. Uh, so they are they are like for for the most part they are completely bilingual and fluent but we asked them not to hide their french accent just because we thought it would be a, a nice touch uh, and lots of people told us oh you should have had them play in french and we could have read the subtitles but also some other people told us that they wouldn't have been involved in the game if it were in french and they had to read all mm -hmm. the subtitles so yeah if we get rich one day, we'll just ha have them all get back in the studio and re-record a French version of the game. But it, as you may know, uh, voiceover is very expensive, mm. so we had to make a choice and we went for the English, even though the game is completely yeah. set in French. Okay, in that, that makes sense. I was actually going to ask about that because I remember the description of the game also said that it's dubbed in English, though I thought that was kind of strange because when I hear the word dub, I assume that it was originally recorded in something else. I mean, like, as as, as, a, as a dirty American, um, I de like, I've tr turned subtitles on anyway just because some of the accents kind of take a while to get used to. But um, I'd say, like, halfway through, I was kind of used to um, and was able to understand her. But, like, uh, yeah, at the beginning, I was just like, oof, that's, that's, a, that's a thick accent. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, it's, they have a way lighter accent than reading, <laughs> so it must be yeah. challenging. Well, that tells you, like, you know, a lot about us being spoiled as far as just, like, you know, even like uh, regional dubs for like bigger, uh, big, you know, conglomerates and stuff like that. So I'm just, you know, um, yeah, you know, not used to not used to it or used to like if I'm going to 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 to, to Ty's point, if I'm going to wa watch something that's uh, in a foreign language, I would dub it. But yeah, to right. also like that might just put people off too if they have to read subtitles the whole time so yeah i honestly wouldn't mind playing it with subtitles in french i i have sort of this thing where i kind of like to play things and what they would canonically be saying like when i watch jojo i watch the first couple parts in english and then the third part third and fourth part in japanese and i won't go into all the details on that but 
In any case, yeah, I uh, like the idea. I would really like the idea of the game being remade in French. And if you guys need someone who can do German, vielleicht könnte ich dabei helfen. Yeah, Ty likes to experiment with, with languages, and sometimes he says things in German and French to me, and I'm just like, yeah, okay, you, you do you, so... Um. Je ne parle pas français. Yes, you do. Je parle seulement allemand. Oh no! Yeah, German is, is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, are you good with your questions, Ty, before I, I do post-game questions? Uh, yep, my other two ones have already been answered, so... Okay, yep, um, so good. just a refresher for now for people that are um, playing at home. Essentially, it follows Junin. Um, again, I'm going to butcher these, these French names, uh, who's, at, who's in the hospital, um, dealing with her mother, who I, I think it was a stroke or something like that, or relatively elderly mother who, um, you know, and she has to make a decision whether to take her off life support or not. And a lot of that, um, and that's kind of where the, the flashbacks or kind of the, the double questioning decisions in her life kind of come up because like there's, you know, something near the very end of the game that kind of uh, forces the ultimate decision. And something I thought that was interesting is that you get to choose like, like, um, basically the ultimate decision as well as, um, you know, you can get more information based on the dialogue if you want to, if you want to click on more and get more context, or you can just kind of do a speed run too, if you want to, of the game. So I, I tried to click on everything. So I made sure I was, I was all, I was all ready for this, but it was, I, it was very interesting. And then, uh, June's sister comes in and, um, they have a different father. So like they have a different, like there's a, there's a lot of complex character relationships between all all the characters, which I thought was really cool. So, um, so uh, I guess we're gonna. This will be the spoiler part, you know. Besides the very thing at the beginning. So if you haven't played the game yet, it's on Steam. It's on uh, PS4. No, PS5. I don't know what 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 what. All, all the, the PSs. PS. Yeah, I don't know what Even version. Even the PS2. <laughs> no, no, on, uh, only PS4, PS5. Okay. Xbox One, Xbox Series, and Switch. Yeah, and I'm curious. Oh, wow, it's on Switch? Yeah, I'm... Yes. Nice. It's a little bit less uh, nice on the Switch because the Switch is not a very um, good hardware-wise, but uh, it's still on Mm. the Switch. But yeah, so um, maybe we'll get to the end about, like, the distribution and how all of that works because I'm curious to see um, because I've never done anything like this, so, you know, I'm just... But anyway, um, so, um, yeah, so spoiler alert now, if you want to play the game, uh, how much is the game, just for clarification, um, if they wanted to get it? Do you guys know off the top of your head? Oh, it's uh, tw- okay. 20, 20 bucks. Cool. Um, so it's 20 bucks, and if you liked Edith Finch, um, but you want a little bit more choice in the narrative, then for sure it's kind of like that, and it's also very, like, kind of like Finch in the same way where there's um, sequences where you... Um, you don't really play as different characters. You still play as Junin throughout the whole uh, narrative, but there's still, like, segments where you kind of go back and re-examine, like, something that's on the past. So that's kind of why it was, like, Finch. But um, I guess starting out with that, like, I know, I know, I read the, the, the pitch packet and I saw you guys mention that. So did did uh, Finch play a role into how you developed the narrative? Or was that just something as a point of comparison when you're telling people about the game and, like, something to compare it to 
Well, there's not that many video games uh, that explore those topics. Uh, so when you try to find uh, uh, influences or references so that people will uh, have a vague uh, notion of what to expect with uh, the game you are making, uh, in our case, there were not that many games that we could have uh, compared ourselves to, even though we had less, a lot less <laughs> money than uh, uh, <laughs> what Remain of uh, Edit Finch had uh, to produce their, their games. I don't remember the name of the studio. Uh, Giant Sparrow. Uh, inf- yes, Giant Sparrow, of course. They are more experienced and, uh, yeah, more uh, probably more <laughs> too, but we, 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 So when we wanted to compare the game to other games, uh, when you talked about uh, Edith Finch, when you referenced uh, Life is Strange, when you, so there's a couple games that you can reference, but not yeah. that many uh, because it's it's kind of a weird game talking about death and grief and family relationships. Definitely, there's not that many of like this one. For out sure, there. for sure. And I would say that uh, when we were talking with Coralie, we would probably reference way more often references from other media such as movies or novels or even essays or 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 plays uh, and we didn't talk a lot about video games actually Coralie I don't remember mentioning lots of video games um yeah that's I mean to be like video game uh you know stuff isn't really my exact forte so i but i know from just kind of yeah that's why i'm here (laughs) i know just kind of like from observing that like kind of the video video game narrative uh is kind of like a a emerging thing and i think like the popularity of finch um is definitely something that's kind of um you know solidifying that and even like comparison to their first game uh their first game is called the unfinished swan and which wasn't as good Mm. in my opinion um, you know, but they're both very artsy. Like um, I'd say, Swan is is much more artsy because that's kind of the the foundation of it. But uh, like in your guys's game is artsy for like different different ways. So, but anyway, I have I have questions. Um, so um, so what kind of like how did you guys? Because every all the characters, all like all six characters, have like really interesting like complex character relationships with each other, and that's what I like one of the things I really liked about it is, you know, it's not just like even um, Junin's relationship with her ex-husband, Alex, there's not really like, you would think just like off the get-go that, you know, that's kind of a, you know, a toxic kind of, um, you know, experience because like, oh, they're, you know, they're strange or something like that. But like, they actually have kind of a, a positive relationship, even though like, and the and the death of, of Astrid is the thing that kind of drives them apart the most. So, like, what was your kind of brainstorming process to kind of um, not only develop the characters but develop all of their interpersonal uh, relationships with each other? Do you remember? I remember that. Uh, I remember that we wrote like a mini biography for each character. And we took the time, a really long time, to build up those characters like outside of the narration and outside even of the um, the relation they have inside of the narration. So we build up like their relation since uh, like childhood or like for June and her husband, uh, ex-husband, since like uh, high school. But I guess some of it uh, reappears in the narration. 
But as I remember, we worked a lot, a lot, a lot on on those backstories and and even the process, a thought process of the the characters, what they like, what they dislike, uh, how they are in the day to day life. Or we we just pushed it a lot in my memories. Yes, and we had this uh, little drawing. Uh, because for each character, we try to define the relationship with all the other characters of the story, even if that part would not appear in mm -hmm. the story at all. For instance, we know what Astrid thinks of Diane, even though Astrid and Diane are never uh, mentioned together mm -hmm. in the story, or almost never, maybe like one sentence in the whole game. We know how... Uh, Uh, Marie feels about Alex, for instance. We, so we, we took a lot of time, you're right, Coralie, and, and we also we even had this little star-shaped drawing <laughs> with all the characters interacting with each other, so that we were really sure that, because if you, then it's, it's way easier to write relationships between characters if it feels natural to you because you know them as an ecosystem of characters that have interpersonal relationships in all different directions and also it's it's really uh, useful to develop one character to ask what they would think about all mm. the other characters for instance marie hates <laughs> everyone yeah i got that word <laughs> in, in in her life yeah but she actually likes that alex fights back because that's what we decided that he was that uh, alex was pretty uh, protective of Junon and when he saw that uh, Marie was abusive he would he would fight back and he would tell things uh, very bluntly to Marie and Marie actually mm. would like that and would enjoy uh, Alex's company because he would be very blunt and she would find it brave that at least at last someone would actually resist her and that's that doesn't appear in the game not really but I think it's really It's really cool to know more about Marie as a character uh, to, that we decided that she would actually like that Alex would be blunt with her and would tell her to quit, uh, quit showboating and quit uh, being uh, an ass <laughs> with everybody, basically. It kind of sounds like how people write mystery stories well, where they'll come up with how the uh, murderer or whatever took part and then they'll fill in, sort, they'll sort of build the narrative around people figuring out all the details. But also, I think that this process of writing characters make us made us feel uh, close to them. I mean, I remember uh, some moment when I uh, like you asked me to write uh, like a piece, or it was easier to me to remember all the time like what was their link, what would they think, who who they deeply are, to be able to come up with ideas. I think it's a way of generating ideas, also narration ideas to have this kind of knowledge of those characters. Yeah, and I think especially as far as um, consuming Western media, which is what I mostly do, and it's more flexible with anime, but like, you know, it's usually the focus on one character going through a specific character arc, and then the other characters around them, um, you know, are either self-realized or self-actualized and, um, and or, you know, like the focus is on them improving the, the protagonist and like the example that just comes off the top of my head is uh, in Beauty and the Beast because that's a that's a common one. So like the whole movie is about Beast's character arc, you know, 
like learning to love Belle. And Belle has like a character arc, but like as far as her, you know, her core, she's already mostly complete. So I think that's an advantage of the, the medium that you guys choose or chose as far as to do this via game is that you can have more complex uh, interpersonal relationships, I think, than just more straightforward media, um, you know, which I thought was like very, very refreshing as, as you know, someone who consumes a lot of, a lot of media. <laughs> yes, you, you can actually decide when you play whether you want to dig deep into Junon's uh, every mm -hmm. single thought. And if you, do, if you do that, you will be very familiar with her and you will be very, it will be very clear in your mind what she thinks about the other characters and how she, she, what's her relationship to them. But you don't have to do that. You can be way more elusive in, in a moment because you want to play faster because, I don't know, you don't like the character <laughs> she's talking to uh, that much. And that's okay. And so I think that uh, lots of people say, oh, yes, but the games you are making, they are not real video games because uh, the... The story, you don't completely change the story through your choices and you don't completely revolutionize what can happen. So it's very like uh, on rails. And so it's not, a, it's not a game. It could be a movie. And I disagree with that. I don't think it could be a movie. Um, actually, I wrote uh, a novel version of the story and it's completely different. Uh, it's a completely different writing process to write as a novel or, or to write it as a game. And so I, I'm completely like, I want to die on that <laughs> hill. The, the wreck as a game would not be the same as a movie or as a comic book or as any other media. And Yeah, like cool um, from what I gathered, like even in general, you have to streamline a lot of information just to fit the three act structure of like a, a, you know, a movie or something like that. And like, I think uh, in my Edith Finch review, I said like it probably... If, if they were going to adapt it in some way, it'd probably work best as a miniseries so you can get, like, different character perspectives as you go and not just, like, you're not just with, e uh, e like, Edith Jr., essentially the whole game, and it's just, like, her narrative because, like, half the point is to see the, the story from other people's uh, perspectives, you know? Um, mm -mm. But, yeah, so, like, um, I guess we'll go into the flashbacks a little bit because, like, I thought that was really interesting. So, uh, for people who haven't played the game yet but are still in the spoilers, just just because you're a little risky, um, the the flashbacks basically work as like one big uh, tracking shot uh, based on different um, views, and it's like it's non-linear as far as like um, how it works. Um, so sometimes you zoom out of the shot and then you kind of go around a room, and then sometimes you have access to like a little bit more of the the big tracking. So like one like example is uh, the dollhouse uh, flashback. So there's like a dollhouse on you know being thrown out, and then you can kind of go in the dollhouse, and then you can kind of go in it a little bit more. And then there's a dollhouse in the dollhouse. So uh, you know I thought all that stuff was like really interesting because I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Like and comp I mean compared to Edith Finch because it's a a walking simulator essentially. You get to walk around the environment instead of being told like what direction. Uh, you're you were going so I was curious to see like what your what your favorite uh, flashback was like both from a you know a framing uh, composition standpoint and then from a narrator's perspective for the for the two of you. Um, I think I, I have a, a soft spot for the bird for the flashback with okay. the bird because that's the first one that uh, Florent showed me 
and that was the first time for me that I uh, realized how how the game would shape because I was only in the part of the writing and uh, suddenly it made sense suddenly the game the, all those writings that we will do together for for some time suddenly they would take place so it's not linked to the story directly uh, but it it's also linked to the fact that um i i uh, really like the light and the feelings of these specific memories i think it's particularly beautiful and and well done but it was also because i just discovered like the graphics and i wouldn't expect that it would be that good <laughs> <laughs> like wow i'm so proud of florent <laughs> yeah uh, i must I must specify that I had absolutely nothing to do with this. All the clever ideas, all the nice, uh, like the composition and lights and everything, it's all due to uh, Alexandre Grieta, who is the art director uh, of the game. And even the concepts, like the very cool concept of having this dollhouse inside a dollhouse inside a dollhouse, it's completely mm -hmm. on him, which, which has proven uh, challenging sometimes because For instance, he absolutely wanted to have this memory in uh, inside a church because he has this, this thing about churches and the very the very uh, dramatic scenery that you can have in church. And uh, it's actually Coralie who wrote uh, this 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 memory, and it was a struggle for her because she she didn't uh, like that setting so much and she had yet she had to write uh, in okay. inside i didn't like this because in this scene there is a huge jesus christ in the middle of yeah. the room and i was a bit uh, you know as a feminist <laughs> i was a bit annoyed um so i proposed something else which was like a, a ancient uh, roman ancient uh, fresco you know with those beautiful landscape and stuff and and so that was the the battle well that's interesting because like there's kind of two churches because the hospital was like a like a makeshift church that was uh converted i think so there's a lot of Like, you know, but it's interesting because I, I'm not really a religious person, but, um, you know, uh, but I am Jewish. So having these like, you know, overlapping religious themes and how people, the pros and cons of having religion in your life. Um, I always like that kind of stuff because I think people are sometimes blind to one way or the other, just to pay, based on like the way they grew up. And, you know, so, um, yeah, and I, I don't think people questioned as much as they they should from a sec from from my perspective but you know again that just based on personality plus like how ingrained it is like um into your you know you as you know growing up your take is very very interesting because we grew up uh, in the um, we grew up in a family where uh, like um uh, like uh, catholicism was very important in the, in the both way because we had a more um, a bourgeois family in one side and a more uh, very popular uh, family uh, i don't know if popular is the right word but very um, people wor working in mines uh, in coal mines uh, working class family in the in the other side yeah and both sides were very religious and um I think it was also my anti-clerical part 
that uh, reaction, you know, from those kind of type of education from both sides that our parents helped us also to be a more critical, or open-minded of other like perspective on the world. And I think I really, I, I reacted really strongly uh, because of that, of this uh, Christ. But that was the point of the story. So, so finally, I, I gave up the fight. <laughs> I said, okay, it makes sense, and that's important. So, okay, okay for the big Jesus Christ in in, in the middle of the church. But yeah, like uh, you know, like like in general, I, like the interestingness of just—I know that's not a word—but the interestingness of like even someone who's estranged from religion, they still it's still kind of important to them in some way because it's like a comfort, um, especially like when they are growing up, even if it's not necessarily the most positive experience all the time so they, they feel like drawn to it because it's just like well you know my mother liked it and I want to like make sure I want to honor her by honoring her religion even though it's not really for me so but I, you know you still kind of keep it even though you don't I don't know religion religious stuff um so let's see um see what's what's a um i was kind of curious about so for the for the astrid scene uh where um uh, june talks to her on the roof and that that conversation like there was a lot like i think there was an even achievement that says not a ghost or something like that so i assumed it was just kind of her trying to kind of come to terms with uh like the accident and like you know even though like the very human, like overanalyzing everything, even though it was an accident, you know, there's nothing really to have done or have could have done. And then you kind of find out near the end, there's a little bit. Um, so I was curious, like, did you guys not like, did you guys have a specific intention as far as what she was like was it a delusion was it like just kind of her kind of processing her grief was it like how did you guys how did you guys want like it to be was it more interpretation as far as the viewer like was there a specific kind of angle you were going for uh with that scene um so first i like that people are i like to allow people to put anything they want mm -hmm. in that scene and uh, it's a it's a little bit like the car crash i don't want to be too dogmatic uh, on what it is and what it is supposed to be and for me it's actually uh, um, a, a variety of things and not only one so yes she's not a ghost because it's not a poltergeist <laughs> story uh, but um, she can be a lot of things and for me uh, it's mainly two things that I had in mind while writing, while thinking about uh, that moment. Um, the first one is, uh, as Coralie mentioned, we, we lost our father when we were younger. And uh, for a lot of years, I didn't think about it too much or didn't really want to actively uh, think about it too much. Uh, and I built up a lot of... Um, a lot of tension that I did not even realize I, ha I felt. Um, emotional tension uh, about the loss, about his absence, about a lot of things. And one day I, 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 I went to bed and I had, you know, sometimes when you go to bed, you close your eyes and immediately there's a dream that starts. 
like five seconds in, you are in inside a very vivid dream. And I had this dream uh, of him uh, in our family home, uh, like his family home. So a uh, uh, home that we are not going to anymore because we'll kind of lost touch. Uh, it's not true because Coralie is going to go there soon. But anyway, he was he was in in Sarge sur Bray. Uh, he was there, and I was like, "But you are you are here." Uh, and in my dream, it felt weird that he would be here. But in my dream, he wasn't dead, so it it it, it wasn't a ghost. He was just like weird that he was actually here. And I I I I in the, in my dream, I took him in my arms. I hugged him. And then I laughed and I woke up bursting in laugh. I woke up laughing out loud and I really woke up in, in, in real life uh, from the good, the, 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 the absolute awesomeness that was the, uh, the ability to hug him in my dreams and be happy to see him again. That gave me so much joy that it made me laugh and it woke me up. And, and this, this incredible moment where... I was able to recreate not only my father, but also my emotional connection with him and the, the relief that he was mm -hmm. here again, even though he was not. He was so intense and, and, and joyful, not sad at all. I, I, even when I woke up and I realized that it was all a dream, I wasn't sad at all. I was just super happy and super uh, glad that I was lucky enough to have experienced that. And so that's where this scene with Astrid comes from. Uh, the, the, the incredible, like she needs relief at that point. Uh, Junon needs relief, and so the ability that she has to just be able to materialize her daughter and spend time with her—it's—it's it's a relief for her, and it's joy, even though it's sad uh, also because at 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 points they get separated because she's still resisting the 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 possibility to to acknowledge that it was just an accident and she's not guilty. And the other part of the, the other reason why I wanted this scene is the guilt. And for me, it's, it was the best way to materialize the, the, the crushing guilt that has been uh, weighing on Junon's shoulders for five years and accumulating for five years and crushing her. And the only way she has to be able to start living again is to get rid of the guilt. And by getting rid of the guilt, also to say goodbye to Astrid for real. And so that's, that's the other uh, idea that I had uh, while writing mm -hmm. that, that scene. But hopefully, players will project other things in that scene and interpret it completely differently. Maybe Coralie, you interpreted it completely differently. And I hope that's the case because it's just like, I don't want to impose... Uh, this, this scene is supposed to mean that on... Mm -hmm. on the whole story sounded like it could have come from a movie, like the story about the dream. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it it felt really, really, really intense, uh, and I never dreamed about him again. And sometimes I wish I would be able to experience that dream again. Yeah, I know the feeling. I've never really had a recurring dream before, so. Pretty much every dream I have is different, so obviously if I have a nice one, it's sad I can't have it again, but, you know. <laughs> it, it, it's like that sometimes, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, like, just kind of as, as a side note, since we were talking about that, like, I thought it was really, it was really cute that Astrid was named after the character from How to Train Your Dragon. I wasn't expecting that at all, and 
the other fun thing is, uh, I guess in in French, um, the translation for the main character is Harold, and I had to get used to that because um, in in the, the 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 OG version, his name is Hiccup, and so I guess there wasn't a yeah there wasn't a yeah. a, a word for that in French, or I'm not like or a, a, an easier version of that. So I was just like, who who is no. this Harold person? <laughs> no, it's it's just it's. It's, it's just a it's just a translation mistake actually the the translator who translated the game <laughs> in English didn't know about how to train your dragon so when he translated he just kept he just kept the, the mm. French name as the French name is, is is British he actually thought that he was the he was also the name in the US which was not the case but when we realized that uh -huh. we already had recorded the voices. So we could not re-record the voices and and, and no, I, I and mean, I usually, I mean, it's a, it's similar enough that you know you just kind of assume that's like the French uh, translation, but I just thought that was like, and it was, it was for me, it was like something humanizing as someone who like likes cartoons and con consumes a lot of media of like someone who's just very inspired by a character enough to 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 name their child after them, um, but I'm also like probably in the minority of people that are just watching too many cartoons. Um, um, so I I want to touch on, I have a couple more, I promise we're almost done. Uh, so like, you know, speaking of the bird scene, I was just kind of like, cause I know uh, Diane is a very inter like hard character to humanize just because of her, you know, her ego and just like her difficulty. Um, and, you know, I thought that was a good way to introduce, like, even though she is, um, you know, the way she is, she's still kind of trying to do the best for her, her children and kind of trying to um, sanitize things a little bit, just in, in the world a little bit, too. So even though she's kind of this contradicting figure, she still cares in some regard. Um, and then, but also there's the kind of, viewpoint of like oh well you know she if she was the bird then she probably would want to she probably would just put her out of her misery too so um was that like as kind of including bits of her in the story um because she's not like present because of the the coma stuff um like was that kind of difficult compared to the other characters as far as trying to find a balance between humanizing her but also showing that she's kind of this egotistical bitch who you know wants things her way and uh you know i was i was curious about that so yeah it was a struggle uh it, it was complicated to just uh, find the right balance for people to just not <laughs> only hate her because if if you have a a character that's too um, monolithic uh, it, it usually doesn't make for a very good story because you just uh, it's, it's too easy to identify that they are just the bad the bad person and you just uh, root against them and it's it's way more interesting to keep uh, uh, players or readers in in a gray zone where they absolutely want to hate that person because she's a, a an egotistical uh, <laughs> asshole but uh, they can't because uh, to some extent, she's also, as you as you said, caring, and she's also she also wants the best for. Her. And I remember, Coralie, we had a lot of discussions about that actually. 
I think that what is interesting in characters is that, is that in real life, people are never uh, bad from nowhere. I mean, of course, you, 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 you have, a, uh, I mean, a, a certain... Um, uh, some people who grew up egotistical or grew up uh, like uh, perverse or, or bad with other people or violence or whatever. But... Uh, the, th the interesting things I feel is to understand where it does come from and uh, what, um, how it connects with their own humanity and in their own way of connecting to the world. And so, at least to me, when we talked about it, it was very important to understand uh, where does it came from uh, in the Marie and how. Uh, Even if she is an egotistical bitch, uh, she has kids. And uh, how the love of a mother, even if she has so many flaws, how it still shows, uh, even, even if she has all those many flaws. And, uh, and also, I think it was also, I, I, I always get back at that because that's important to me. Also because it was a woman. I felt that the experience of a woman in the world today and uh, why a woman would be an egotistical bitch today and how, why we would, we would be maybe, um, I don't know, I don't have the, I'm sorry, I don't have the word, but it's... it's um, a stereotype? Yeah, but it's also like, it's, we are tougher with women who are egotistical bitch than with men who are egotistical, uh, uh, what's, tr what's the, the, the man version of a bitch? Even That's that. Right. Yeah, no, but you know, even that, it's like, and, and because it's so, it's, it's, it, to me, it's, it's so important to, like, always, Uh, talk about humanity inside people, especially if it's a story about relationships and family and love. And even if love is hard to find, it's there. So it was important to have this subtleness about this character too and to work hard to, to find it. Even if sometimes we were like, okay, like, no, she's bad. Yeah, but maybe, maybe she's bad, but maybe she, she is also something else that's only bad. Yeah, that's kind of the, the beauty of, like, you know, ultimately, you know, choosing whether to you take her off life to support or not is, like, if people can kind of find the, the half full or half empty or um, aspect of her, especially, uh, well, yeah, we're in spoiler territory, so I'll just, like, especially with the, um, with the, the uh, assumption that she was most leagued to cause for Astrid's death is because she didn't want her... That she, she gave her a hard time about the seatbelt and stuff like that, and she aggravated June, uh, June whilst she was driving, and, you know, and I think, uh, like, highlighting the crash and then just having, have, slowly learning more information about it was an interesting way to kind of, like, relay that information, because you know that's important, you know, that's the name of the game, um, literally, um, but, you know, you, like, you're kind of going backwards and forwards trying to um, figure out, like, the context of that and, like, why it's such a a, a, you know, a game-changing, you know, moment. So, and then, you know, having her backstory near the end, too, I think was a good, uh, was a nice touch to kind of, like, sh put everything on the board, too, before, you know, you had to get to choose. Um, I guess the last question before I have just general questions about uh, distribution and stuff like that is, like, so the kind of the ending implies that June was writing 
a script the whole time, and then, uh, but Astrid is still alive, um, so it was kind of like a, you know, a writer and a writer and a writer, so I was kind of curious if that was the intention all along, to kind of have her write a script, because she is a script writer, or to kind of um, have more of a, of a, happier ending you know because you know you know children dying is never fun so you know i was just curious about that it's very funny because um this was a very controversial ending when when we recorded the voice uh, of the game we worked with a person called uh, Sarah El Malay, who was the casting director mm -hmm. and uh, basically she was the one directing the, the talents during the recording and she discovered the script as we recorded it because we, I didn't send her the script beforehand <laughs> because I, we, we actually, Corani and I, we didn't finish writing it. So I was kind of, a, you know, writing as we record, basically, more or less, more or less. And she discovered the ending while we were recording <laughs> it, and she was outraged. She was super uh, annoyed by this ending, and she was like, "No, you're you're completely uh, you're completely breaking everything that you uh, built uh, so far." Uh, saying that, "Oh, it was all just a story," is basically. Uh, breaking the relationship you have with the players and the trust uh, the emotional investment kinda like, that, that they put in the story yeah, kind of like the it if was all a dream like, ending yeah yes 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 but the funny thing is that it wasn't uh, my first intention my first intention was to say that it's actually like maybe five more years later and uh it's not it's not Astrid. It's oh, okay. uh, the character is called Achille. So Achille is a boy's name, and uh, so it could be that she just uh, was able to to start living again, oh, okay. and maybe she had another child, which seems completely impossible when you lose one, uh, but maybe can happen if you're able to rebuild yourself, or maybe she has absolutely nothing to do with uh, the Junon of the story, but she's more in my situation, being completely terrified uh, when she became a mother by the possibility to lose her child, so much so that she felt compelled to write a story about that because it would keep her up at night otherwise, which is, which is autobiographical. It's the reason why I decided to work on the wreck first. It's because as a, as a parent, I was really obsessed with the, mm -hmm. the possibility that this would happen to me. So it's, so there's, there's multiple ways to, to interpret that ending. And one of them is, yeah, she's actually Junon and the, the, the character is uh, called Astrid, uh, Achille, but maybe it's Astrid because it's the same, uh, uh, actress who actually uh, gives her voice to to both characters. So once again, I tried to come up with something that would be mm -hmm. uh, voluntarily ambiguous. Uh, and some people absolutely hate it. Some people love it. Some people hate it. And then I say, but did you think about that? And then they love it or the other way around. So, you know, there's, there's just uh, lots of different reactions, which I like. I don't know what uh, Coralie, what you thought about the the ending. Like, did you? Uh, I think I remember. At first, I was like, mm, maybe this is another game, you know? <laughs> maybe it's like, 
lot of ideas, you know, in one story. But uh, but it was your choice, and I mean, I I I, I went on with it, and uh, and and I'm not sure I took part in the process of the of this last bit at the end. No, it's true. I actually. <laughs> so that's why. It's true. I actually decided to be a. Authoritarian, but I think it's. Uh, yeah. I didn't. I didn't uh, play to because, the you know, you... yet, so I don't. Uh, I I didn't experience it. <laughs> oh, so we spoiled it for. Hey, so I, I warned you there was... were there were spoilers. But... Okay, go ahead, go ahead, Ty. Something I wanted to ask yeah, about: uh, If you guys do the French version of the game, are you going to go ahead and fix that uh, naming situation with that one character who is based off Hiccup? Well, if we do it in French, uh, there won't be anything to fix because the 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 name that mm. we are actually using currently is the French. Okay, name, you know so I we find won't, uh, need to fix it. But uh, ah, you mean you mean that we record the English sentence, just that English sentence, so that right. yeah, we could definitely do that because yeah, it's it's uh, something that two people mentioned already, so I don't like the idea of keeping uh, two people out uh, up at night. You so have ruined my are. life. You should have kept the name that's, the same. That's that's not accurate to the canon. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, I was just, you know what I find funny about that is that <laughs> his name got changed because of a hiccup. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. so like, I, I guess um, going back to more of the technical aspects, because those are all my story questions. Were there anything, other points you wanted to add about the story that we didn't touch on um, that you just kind of wanted to expand upon? Okay. No. Okay. Cool. I just I just want to make sure you guys got you know all the points. Um, but yeah, I I really like the 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 art gallery uh, flashback. That was my favorite. (laughs) That was the one I was going to mention too. Uh, Especially as we struggled so much to find this ID, uh, contrary to all the other IDs that came almost immediately. This one, we struggled a lot with it. We went with the first version that was completely different and that didn't, that really, really didn't work. And then we had this ID and suddenly everything was like, oh, we could have had this ID right from the start. It would have been more simple, but it's just not I mean, it's also curious. (laughs) It's also interesting to see that, like, you know, we mentioned how you train your dragon, but, like, there's a big Lebowski reference uh, in that. And I was just like, oh, it's interesting to see, like, how American, you know, media is still influencing everyone for the most part, you know. Um, So, and, like, honest. Go ahead. And we have um, Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind reference, which is both an American and a French reference because mm-hmm. it's an American movie shot by a French director. So it's kind of a bridging the <laughs> gap fair, between fair. the two. Um, I haven't seen that one, so I probably that's probably why I didn't catch it. Um, but uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, I've I've heard that. I've heard uh, that. I'll, I'll put it on my on my list. Um, so like, I guess the 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 technical aspects. So you guys, you know, are writers. Um, are you like, did you guys come up with the studio yourselves or like, were you hired by a third party? So that aspect and then like, 
the developmental process. I assume this was made in um, in Maya or uh, what's the what's the other one? Uh, yeah, Blender. Um, as far as Blender, the, um, you know the character renders and stuff, and then like um, just kind of the the production process to to pitching it. Like I assume you have to pitch it to PlayStation and all the places uh, for it to be on those platforms. So can you uh, talk a little bit about that? Like just how the pipeline works from your end? Yeah, so first things first, uh, I decided that it's simpler to, if you want to get interesting work, <laughs> it's simpler to just create your own company and hire yourself and your sister, <laughs> because if you don't do that, uh, mm -hmm. you will, uh, it will, it will be challenging. Actually, when when I decided to make reality-inspired games, at at first I didn't necessarily want to create a company because uh, uh, we we mm -hmm. we are not from an entrepreneurial family. I don't think we have any business owner in our <laughs> close uh, family. So I, I I really did. Yeah, no, it's not. It's just not in our family culture. So I just did it because I really had to. And uh, that's, there are lots of things I hate about it, but that's a thing I, I think is really cool about it. Mm -hmm. It's just the possibility to have the creative control over not only the, the story or the game or how it looks like and feels like, but also who you are going to work with. So it's really great because when I when I felt completely stuck, like I I was in a position where the story was intimate enough that I would not necessarily be con be confident to to ask for a professional writer to help me. Uh, but I was super like I was completely sure that Coralie would be the perfect person to just uh, help me out of the hole I I dug myself uh, into. And uh, so I just felt like uh, I'm, I'm just going to ask her because I think she's the right person and she, <laughs> she, she agreed, uh, she said yes, so it's, it's really cool. So yeah, that's, that's easy. it's easier when you're just your own boss, boss but <laughs> you have to yep, find yep. I have money, months. you're right, but it's not, uh, yeah, but it's not uh, the platforms that you pitch. If you want to have a game out on the PlayStation or Xbox or even the Nintendo Switch nowadays, you can basically do it. Uh, if your game passes what we call lot check, okay. which is a technical verification of your game, but it's only technical. If you pass that, if you respect all the guidelines of the platforms, basically you will be on those platforms. So you can have your game out on uh, all the platforms. Uh, but... Um, if you want to be actually mm -hmm. able to make the game, you need a budget for it. And then the people mm -hmm. you are going to pitch are the publishers, basically. <laughs> so the, the people who have money and who are looking for projects. And uh, most of them are definitely not interested in the kind of game the rec is at all. But some, very few, are. And uh, among them is a company called Colonites. And they are not actually a publisher because we self-published the rec. So the Pixelant self-published. So we did all the relationship with the platforms. We did all the marketing. We did all those things. But they funded the game and they have a ref share on the revenue the game is generating. And the reason why actually uh, the person who decides whether or not Colonites are going to invest in a game accepted to invest in the rec is because 
he played a Bury Me My Love, our first game, <laughs> and he cried uh, a lot playing that game. Uh, and he, I think it was, he didn't exactly tell me, but I think it was the first time he was crying in front of, vid of a video game because he was moved by the story. So he decided to sign uh, for the wreck on this basis alone. We didn't even have a prototype and usually you are never, never able to convince any publisher without a prototype because they want to play the game to, to just like mm -hmm. get some of the risk out of the way. And they signed the wreck on a <laughs> PDF, 10 sheet PDF file basically, which never happens. And we were really lucky that they trusted us with, with that. Uh, with that money because he was in the end he was like yeah they invested uh, uh, oh, wow. 300,000 euros in the game so it's a lot of money yeah it's it's really a lot of money and uh, we were really super happy that they trusted us with uh, that amount and uh, just uh, sheer creative freedom they were absolutely never uh, intrusive in the creative process so we were really lucky uh, to be able to work in that oh yeah uh, i mean having so it having a track record always helps but go ahead ty yeah another question i was wondering about was i was going to ask uh, why the name pixel hunt but then i realized it's clearly because you saw my independent short film uh, pixel fight and were inspired by that i'm just kidding I, so yeah why the name pixel hunt yeah definitely yeah <laughs> Um, when we were kids with Coralie, we played a lot of games, uh, and um, among them were lots of adventure games. Uh, for me, at least, I, I had an Amiga, and then Coralie had a PlayStation, and she played uh, slightly different uh, ah, uh, yeah, games. For instance, the Oddworld series. That uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it was amazing. But before that, I played all the Lucas Arts games. And I, I loved them because they were funny. And at the time, laughing in front of a video game was as rare as crying in front of a video game uh, still is in a way. And so I had very good laughs and I just wanted to, to, to keep uh, uh, like figuring out the rest of the story. But they were also very hard because you had to do all this pixel hunting looking for items in the scenery that were so, sometimes <laughs> like three pixel wide and you had to click on the right position and this was absolutely super bad game design but at the time it was considered cool because it was uh, challenging puzzles to be able to to find uh, those uh, those um, those details and fun and innovative and weird and 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 waku and and so that's that's the idea behind the pixel hunt. It's the idea of we are we make games that most people will probably Dang. find boring or annoying or, but if you're into those, there's a fair chance that you are going to be <laughs> really into them. You think them. you guys so, might do a yeah. uh, pixel yeah. game sometime in the future? Uh, we we did a few of oh, them okay. uh, earlier um, for clients mainly. But uh, yeah, no, the next game is still in 3D, so no pixel art for us for the next project. But uh, maybe in the future, I, I don't know. I think I'm out of questions. Um, Ty, do you have any other questions you want to add or ask? How is it in France? Sorry? 
How are things in France? <laughs> yeah, we had an interesting conversation about oh. that. <laughs> very, very interesting. <laughs> Sorry. No, we we are French. We are French, we are crossed, we riot, we burn stuff, and it might be a little bit awkward uh, seen from abroad, but that's actually a source of pride, uh, and they are rare uh, currently. And I'm really happy that uh, when we just get the feeling that we are being fucked with, we just want to break stuff. I find uh, yeah, I I like that. Uh, even though I do I find that interesting because yeah. like that's almost on? the inversion of like the usual stereotype of surrendering to everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it's true. It's true. I was gonna ask do you guys still uh, we, use the guillotine no. when you're when you're riding. <laughs> <laughs> I think we would we would wish we we wish we would we wish we would. Do you guys want to? end on like i mean we talked a little bit about where you can already get the game but like if people want to follow you guys individually do you guys have any social media or does pixel have, have any social media you guys want to plug there's a twitter account mm -hmm. which is called the uh, uh, at the pixel <laughs> but i'm not sure i'm going to that's stick fair, that's on fair. twitter for much longer <laughs> so you know things are changing everywhere and so I guess, uh, yeah, I guess, no, it's the, the, the best idea is to just try to keep in touch. Like if you mm -hmm. go to thepixelant.com, you can sign up to the newsletter and then get, get we, we can just like uh, warn you when we have a new game out. And on a more personal basis, I have like <laughs> a Twitter account too, but it's not really interesting. So, And I've seen that, uh, Coralie, you've, you've created one recently. Oh, yeah, you're, yeah. I mean, you're arriving first. at the best moment <laughs> yeah, on Twitter. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that my Twitter account is very interesting. No, but the, go follow the the Pixel Hut. Okay, so just just go to the website and, and be on the newsletter if you want. That's that's definitely fair. So um, uh, someone's got to take Elon Musk's money away from him. I think he just has too much of it and too much time. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for for being on the podcast. This is like an interesting, like different thing, and that's why I like wanted to follow up and make sure we did it because like I love learning about this kind of stuff. So, um, but uh, yeah, thanks for your time. And then, as far as people listening, um, we're trying to get back on a weekly schedule for the podcast. We'll see if that happens. I've been saying that for like two months at this point, but um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, not as much it's as a lot of work, content, right? but it's yeah, still I as far as finding people that are interesting to interview and that aren't just like my friend circle coming back like every like, you know, like, hey, we, we need to do a podcast eventually. Like, what do you know about? Come on, come on down. Um, but yeah, hopefully we'll get better because we now we have a new we have a new scouting uh, thingy Bob that we're trying out to. But anyway. That's boring stuff. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, we're, we're back on the main content. So if people like the main content, make sure you're still subscribed because uh, we got hacked recently. Uh, and that was that was fun dealing with that. But whew, yeah, you know, ask me about that. But um, oh. it, it took a little bit. But, you know, uh, YouTube, uh, creative, the creative, um, um I don't know, the, the con whatever, the, the people that deal with the YouTube creators were pretty fast for the most part. It just took a little while getting coding and 
you know, fancy stuff back. But uh, yeah, so thanks everyone for listening and uh, we'll see you next time on the podcast. And if you're new, I think that we're like in our 80th-ish, we're in the 80s episodes. There's plenty of backlog if you're new um, for some reason. And um, yeah, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Have a good day, night, wherever you are in the world. Thank you so much for listening to Animation Communication on YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting provider. We are really hoping the show makes a difference in how people view animation, as well as media as a whole, as well as giving and providing advice for people all over the world who like and want to join the animation and media industry. If you like what you heard, please remember to show support by giving a like, a follow, rating those five stars, as well as subscribing to our main I Love Kim Possible A Lot channel on YouTube, and turn your notifications on. New episodes of Animation Communication come out every Wednesday at 6 a.m. EST on podcasting platforms and 4 p.m. EST on YouTube. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at the KP Podcast for information on upcoming guest episodes and more, as well as our hosts KP and Lyle Convoy at I Love KP a Lot and at Lyle Manbad on social media. I'm Lucy and thank you for being a part of our community. See you next time on Animation Communication.